Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's Business Soup. I'm your host, John Dibbevoise. The tax man, Sandy Botkin, my good friend, is joining us again from TaxBot and TaxBot.com. We are going to talk about home-based businesses, how to convert ordinary expenses to deductions legally, morally, and ethically. It doesn't matter what your home-based business is. Have one, and you too can take advantage of the tax code. So pull up a chair, sit on down. Sandy Botkin is serving up the best in recipes on how to minimize your taxes with his tips, tools, and techniques right here on Business Soup. Sandy, welcome back to Business Soup. It's good to have you, my friend. It's good to be back. For over 20 years now, I have been utilizing what was the Tax Reduction Institute's diary and the method of keeping track of my records because the the IRS loves good records. And if you don't keep them, boy, they can sure cause you a lot of trouble. You, my friend, have kept me out of trouble. But it's evolved. Tax Reduction Institute is now TaxBot. Tell us about what it is that migrated you in from the papered version of the diary into what is now the digital age with TaxBot. I always realized that documentation was just horrendous. It's the number one reason people get in trouble with the IRS. And it's the number one reason IRS wins most of the time, which is stupid because it's having the right documentation isn't that hard. But everyone had to do it with paper. You had to fill out a mileage log by writing in where you went every day and the mileage. It was a real pain. And then there was the duplication. If you wanted it on the computer, you had to write it down. And then one of the things I hate the most is duplication of effort. Not only the effort, but also the fact that the time that it takes, but the mistakes that you can make transcribing that information. Correct. And the technology wasn't there where I wanted to do everything sort of automated. Well, now the technology is there. So what we did is we took my normal tax diary, which has all the tax questions that IRS requires for entertainment, for travel, for meals, for cars, for all of those things. And it's now automated. In many cases, there's very little you have to do, in fact. And it will keep all of that records for you in a perfect way so that you will never have to worry about an IRS audit again. And that's really what TaxBot is. It's a, it's a combination expense and mileage tracking program that does all of this for your business. That's almost like it even generates a profit and loss statement. I mean, it does all of that stuff for you. Right from your smartphone. Right from your smartphone or iPad or anything like that. That's exactly right. And a lot of it is automated. Like, for example, the mileage tracking, you don't even turn it on. Believe it or not, the number one problem people have is they forget to turn the darn thing on. TaxBot will go on automatically. Once you start driving, I think over five miles per hour, is it 10 miles per hour? It automatically turns itself on tracks the mileage, tracks where you're going and where you left from. All you have to do is swipe left for business and right for, for a personal end to put in what the reason was. And there's even a way to avoid that. We have something called TaxBot Voice, which is available where you can dictate it while you're driving. You don't have to go home and do it. And it'll actually input it into TaxBot. So it's all automated. And that's something that we developed. I remember back when it was all papered that you were saying that the most important part about the tax code is keeping accurate records and that it has to be in a diary. Keeping the receipts wasn't as important as writing it down when it happened 
and that was the paper diary that I've been a follower of for 20-some years, and now it's all digital, and it's spectacular. And one of the statements that I came up with was that the IRS can't persecute you for being a bad business person, but they can prosecute you for being a bad record keeper. That's correct. That's absolutely right. And what's interesting is that there's a number of trackers out there, but surprisingly, in some even the more famous ones, they're not necessarily compliant, which really surprises me. For example, one of the things you have to do with your automobile is you have to have something forcing you. You have to do this to show the business reason for the trip. Believe it or not, there are a number of trackers out there that don't absolutely require the business reason. I know that seems strange, but they don't. Or they give you a reason that's pre-programmed where they say, okay, sales call or this. IRS wants it individualized. They want to know that you're really doing this and you individualize. They don't want some pre-programmed thing you check the box that you may not have done. Also, not compliant. So uh, sadly, there are a lot of trackers out there, and some of them are very well known, that are just not compliant. Well, that's the with tax fraud, I can promise you, it is very, very compliant. Well, and of course, you have a, a very good track record in that you used to be in the IRS. You were on the other side of the desk. What made you come over to our side as a tax attorney and say, hey, small business, here's an opportunity for you because you're making all these mistakes that I'm seeing. What brought you over to the other side of the desk? Well, you know, that's an interesting story. I, I actually wrote it in my book, Lower Your Taxes Big Time, which is available. I'll give you a 50 cent plug here that you can get on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But anyway, in, in that book, the thing that got me was my parents. My parents were antique dealers. And despite being prepared by one of the more notable CPAs in Long Island, my father, I was working at IRS, and my father had me review his tax return. When I reviewed it, I couldn't believe my eyes. We filed amended tax returns to get back $12,000. It was the first vacation my mother and father ever took outside the country. And about uh, two and a half years later, my mother coincidentally died of lung cancer. So I decided to quit the IRS and start up my company called the Tax Reduction Institute to start developing, showing people how they can reduce their taxes and bulletproof their records. There wasn't a lot of people talking to the self-employed people. There were people like me talking to accountants, but no one was telling the self-employed person what they really needed to do. So I then realized that self-employed people were way woefully underprepared when it came to documentation. So then I developed that paper system, which had all the tax questions in front of you, just fill it out and you become bulletproof. Problem with that is that you're right, it required duplication, it required the fact of more, a lot of writing down. Many times you get home and you don't, you don't feel like it, and a couple of days later and you forget about these things. So eventually I developed TaxBot, which does everything automatically and systematically for you. And that's how the whole thing evolved. It's been a wonderful program, and it, you taught me how to write my kids off. And it didn't motivate me to have any more, but, I, but I'll tell you what, they paid all their own expenses. They didn't know they had bank accounts, and they paid all their own bills. It was wonderful. And, you know, and living on a horse ranch, you give your kids a pitchfork, you can figure out what their job was. And you're not horsing around either, right? That, that's right. But <laughs> unfortunately, they've all grown up, and I'm back and holding on to that pitchfork. <laughs> I'm still shoveling it. And so everybody in my long history with you— You've always said everybody should have their own home-based business. Doesn't matter what it is, have one. Because then when you cross over into having your own business, it opens up another set of doors that allows you to take advantage of the tax code that the so-called rich and famous, everybody says there's two tax codes. Well, there is. There's a 1099 and there's the W-2. 
when you have your own business, you now have crossed over to the 1099 and it opens all these doors, giving you the opportunity to take advantage of what used to be ordinary expenses into deductions. Let's talk about the advantages of a home-based business. Let me share with you something I said. One of my friends sent his son over to me for consulting as to what kind of a career he should go into and where he should go. And I'm about to say something to you that I think is going to be critical, something that you've never heard before. And I think something that your audiences are going to really, really appreciate. Okay. I've changed my message a little bit and I think you'll, you'll appreciate what I said. And here's what I said to him. I said, okay, you want to look at a career. First of all, look at something that, you know, you're, you can be good at and you have a drive for, you have a passion for. Obviously I could never be an interior designer. I have no ability to, to <laughs> imagine in a 3D 3D mode, and I could never do that no matter how good it was. So you've got to have an, a, an ability for that type of thing. Now, once you do that, and you got to know yourself, as Socrates says, the next thing is if I had to pick the four essential occupations that you want to look for, I wouldn't do anything other than those four. The first one, which is the thing you have to shoot for, if I had to pick the number one thing you want to shoot for, is to be self-employed. Now, why do you want to do that? Because number one, the people who are getting really rich in this country are those who have their own business. There's time freedom. You make your own time. You're not a wage slave. You have tremendous, under the new tax law now, there are two tax systems. There are tremendous benefits for self-employed that the employee doesn't get. You can ride a part of your house, your spouse, the equivalent of your kid's education and weddings. You can set up a pension plan that makes any government plan paltry by comparison. There's a new deduction that the new tax reform act gives that allows you, if you're self-employed, to literally avoid 20% of your net income that employees don't get. If your self-employed business generates a loss under the new tax law, you get to carry it back up to five years and offset the last five years of earnings or carry it forward forever. So being self-employed is absolutely the way to go. Now, that's certainly the number one rule. However, to be self-employed, and this is something the way I, where I made a few changes in my thinking, you have to have two things going for you. You got to be self-motivated. Got to be self-driven. I know somebody who started up a limo business and he just sat there waiting for the customers to come. It doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. So if you're not self-motivated, you're, you're right. Self-employed is not for you. The second thing is you got to have the right skills. You got to know what you're doing. You got to have some kind of specialized skill. Not to mention the fact, have some basics in marketing and some other things that a typical business person has to do. But what's interesting is the skills can be developed. And that leaves the second option. If you don't want to go right into self-employment, then option number two is go work for a company that will teach you the skills you need in order to be self-employed. So, for example, you want to be a plumber? Go work for a plumber for a while. Just don't stay with them. Start off your own plumbing business. Get somewhere where you can learn those skills. Apprentice, so to speak. The third thing I would recommend to people is go into a business where you can become an owner, a partner. Like, for example, you work for a law firm where you can become a partner, a medical firm where you can become a partner. So that's the third type of thing. Final kind of, of, of thing is you can't meet any of those three. Then I recommend you try to get a job with the government, federal or state government. The ability to not be fired and have that kind of tenure <laughs> is worth a lot of money, even though you won't make a lot of money. If you don't have the skills for self-employed, that's really an important thing. Now, I do want to emphasize there are a number of occupations out there where they'll teach you the skills. For example, franchises. Franchises will give you a, a set skill base. I'll show you exactly what you need to do, what you need to set up. Some of the network marketing companies have that, where you can have that type of situation. But I, I do strongly recommend that you get those skills. The one thing I would not recommend is to go work for a company and to be a cog somewhere for the rest of your life. That is a horrible, horrible mistake. I mean, I've got a friend of mine who worked for uh, CBS. He was one of, if not the top salesperson for uh, selling advertising at CBS. See, he then uh, got 
promoted to become manager of one of their divisions, and CBS merged with Viacom. I don't know if you've read about right, that. Right, yes. Bought out or merged Viacom. Sure enough, this guy got laid off, even though he's one of the very top people there. Working for a company will never, on the long run, get you rich. It really won't. And even worse, you got to put up with a boss that is spelled backwards, double S-O-B, for the rest of your life. <laughs> or if you or you get along with that boss, and then they have a new boss that you don't get along with, that's the end of your career. Goodbye. So that is why I recommend one of those four things. And everything should be aimed to become self-employed. If you're working for someone, don't put in overtime for the boss. Try to develop a side business where you can eventually leave. Your, your goal should be to self-employ or at least to learn skills necessary where you can transfer them to somewhere else to be self-employed. That should be your focus in life. There are a lot of people that have that entrepreneurial spirit, but they don't have the courage to actually make that leap forward. And so they have a home-based business. They start up something that they call it now a side hustle or a spouse or their kids have a business at home. Can you take advantage of the tax code in that capacity? Absolutely. First of all, let me make a statement here. To say the fact that, oh, well, being self-employed seems more risky than being employed, I think it's the opposite. I think being employed is more risky than being self-employed. If you're self-employed, you're at least in control. If you mess up, you mess up. That's your control. If you're an employee, you can be doing a great job, like my friend who was top at CBS, and you still get laid off. I know three top people that got laid off because of mergers or because of a change in management. You have less control as an employee than you do as self-employed. It's actually more risky. Okay, let's let's make that very clear. Now, once you become self-employed, the government does a lot to benefit you. And, and there's a reason that the tax laws are so favorable to self-employed individuals. And the reason is that the government has learned from little acorns come big trees. For example, Apple Computer didn't start with 50,000 employees. It started out of Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs' garage. Right. Amazon didn't start big. It started out of Jeff Bezos' garage. So the government passes good tax laws for self-employed business. And these laws are available whether you are full-time or part-time. But in my book, Lower Your Taxes Big Time, make a big deal out of that. My first chapter is called Why You Be Brain Dead Not to Have a Home-Based Business. There's a reason for that. And, and if your business generates a loss, you can carry back the loss and offset the income you paid for the last five years. You can carry forward the loss. I mean, it's just absolutely tremendous. Not to mention you can set up a pension plan that makes any government plan small by comparison. You can write off the equivalent, as you know, of your kids' education and weddings by hiring them and letting them use that money for their own education and weddings. That's right. I mean, there's just, there's just all kinds of things that self-employed people can do that employees cannot do. So if you want to get rich in this country and you want to have a safe and a really good retirement Being self-employed is the way to go. Someone within the house should have a business. Does that business, that self-employed aspect where you you could be working for the man and have a home-based business, is there regulations as to what kind of business you can have? And does it have to be profitable? That axiom about it's got to show a profit every seven years. Is that true as well? No, there's no general regulation, though certain things have to be licensed, like some states might want to license a plumber, for example, or something like that. But from a federal perspective, no, there's no licensing requirement. The only thing that it has to be, it has to be legal self-employed business. Yes. You don't want an illegal business. Uh, and that's actually a very interesting thing. Like, for example, in marijuana growing, as in California and some of these other places, might be legal in a particular state. But the minute it goes out of state, you're now an illegal operation. 20 years ago, it wasn't legal. 
And so having it and writing off the farming of it would not have benefited me. That's correct. And even now, if it's illegal, many times all you can write off is the cost of goods sold. You can't take any other business deductions (laughs) on illegal businesses. So you should be aware of that. The second thing you want to be aware of is the fact that you want to run your business like a business and not like a hobby which means you're not doing this for social reasons. You want to show IRS you're trying to make money. You know, to get all these great benefits from the government, they want to make sure you're a good bet. Just like if I'm investing in you to start your, your worm farming business or start your horse business. <laughs> we haven't gotten uh, to that uh, yet. but got to that yet. But, <laughs> but the bottom line is I, I want to make sure you're a good bet. If you're not a good bet, I don't want to invest in you. The same thing is true with the government. The government wants to make sure you're running your business like a business. You're really trying to make money. And if you're not making money, they want to know what you're doing to try to reduce those losses. But did you meet with experts, for example? Do you have a good tracker? Do you have a good accounting system? Did you go to seminars to learn that business or meet with experts on how to learn that business? What did you do to improve that business? That's really the key here. So they want to make sure that you're running your business like a business. But if your business generates a loss, well, that's the way it is. I'll try harder next year. That's exactly right. We're talking with Sandy Bodkin. He is the founder of TaxBot, formerly the Tax Reduction Institute. And, and I have been a student of his for over 20, about 20 years now. And I wrote my kids off. I literally took a hobby and converted it into a business, which was my horses and cattle at that time. And I wrote it off, hired my kids, wrote them off too. And I continue to follow those practices. And so many people say, well, that doesn't sound legal. I, oh, I'm so afraid of getting audited. And I said, you know what? Bring it on. If you that's have exactly good right. records, that's the key. I say to people, you know, you're on a highway. You might see a state trooper with a radar gun. If you go in the speed limit, what are they going to do? The answer is nothing. It's only if you're speeding is that's when they pull you over. If you follow the rules, and there are set rules here, there's nothing they can do. Give me a good example. My daughter majored in digital design, which is sort of like web design and animation. Now she's in the movie business. She actually designed uh, books on movies, animated movies. When she was a junior, I, I wanted to have a whole new site for TaxBot, and I wanted some bells and whistles. And I got a quote from a major firm that was a very expensive quote, actually, to do it right. Well, I asked my daughter, can she do this website with all these bells and whistles? And she said, yes. So I was able to pay her something less than what the uh, web firm would have charged me. That money that I paid her covered almost two years of college tuition that she paid for. So effectively, I was getting a deduction for the equivalent of two years of college tuition. I mean, that's what we mean by hiring our kids. There there are so many things that you can do as a self-employed individual that it's just enormous. And, and in TaxBot, we have something called TaxBot University. It's called the, the Midas Initiative, which includes TaxBot plus a whole bunch of education plus a whole bunch of consulting. It's one giant package to really get people going. And uh, we find that when we, when we tutor people like this, they can save thousands and thousands of dollars on deductions that they didn't realize they were able to get. You know, as a, as a CPA, one of the, you asked me how I, how I got started. One of the things I noticed was when I was working as an accountant, there were people living in the same neighborhood making about the same income. One lived like a king and take all these vacations and sing, everything was fine, and one couldn't figure out how to make ends meet. And the reason usually was one plugged their tax holes, one didn't. Taxes are the number one expense in this country. A lot of people don't realize that. It exceeds what you pay for food, clothing, lodging, and transportation combined. Seriously. If you don't get it down to the legal minimum, it's going to be very, very difficult to have a secure retirement for yourself. And, of course, reducing your tax liability is not only legal, but it's moral and it's ethical. There's nothing Absolutely. wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. The IRS says in their own publications, 
that tax planning is a legitimate endeavor as long as you're using legal techniques that are approved, that there's regulations for, there's a ruling for, whatever. And one of the important things is, is in my book, Lower Your Taxes Big Time, I have all the footnotes there, all the regulations, everything is footnoted. So you, you never have to worry about doing something that isn't quite right. And the same thing is true with our Tax Spot Midas initiative. All those videos, everything is all based on information that we have regulations and rulings for. Well, there's three killers in the small business industry, legislation, regulation, and litigation. And boy, you want to stay out of all of them. And if you make a mistake, there's always a governmental regulation or legislation and employee to come along and remind you as to what you did wrong in the small business arena. And it usually comes with a penalty. Take the tax code. If you don't do it right, if you don't keep a record of it, there's a penalty that goes along with that. That's correct. Well, they, again, they want you to be a good investment. And to be a good investment, they want, just like any other investor, they want proof of what your income is and what your deductions for. I mean, if I'm investing or if you're investing in a limited partnership of some type, don't you want an, a balance sheet to show what the income is and what the expenses are and then somebody to look at that balance sheet to make sure that it's valid? Same thing is true with the IRS. No different. Okay. Well, we're talking about businesses, opportunities, risks, and home-based businesses. You know, I've been in the horse business all my life, and I've been using my money to buy the green stuff, which is the hay, and then I put it into my horses, and they turn it into another green stuff, and then I pick it up and throw it away. That's literally throwing money away. Well, now I was introduced to worm farming. Now I'm going to turn that green into cash. It's going to be a full recycling. Not everybody wants to go into worm farming. I just happen to have an endless supply of product to feed them. (laughs) And there's so many opportunities for me to sell whatever comes out of the worm as well as the worms themselves. I'm not getting such a warm reception from the young lady that I live with. But you know what? She's warming up to him. And I said, you know what happens when they get loose? You mean she's warming up to it? She, Yeah, it's slow. (laughs) And I said, you know what happens when a worm gets loose? And she said, no, I don't know. And I said, nothing. They don't go anywhere. You know, it's not like the horses. You open up the gate and they run away. The worms go nowhere. So there's a home-based business. Let's talk this through in this last portion. All right, I'm going to start my worm farm. As an example, what are the first three things I need to do in order to make sure that I can do it properly and be protected and safe from the IRS? Okay. If I had to pick three things, here's what I would do. Number one, you want to, be, you want to get subscribed to our TaxBot Midas Initiative, which includes TaxBot. It includes all my videos, includes um, live once a month. Uh, we do a seminar and, and things like this. It includes consultants that we trained. So I would definitely take advantage of that and use the information. Use tax buy. Take advantage of these things. Second thing, you want to get a good accountant. You know, most businesses, you want to have access to a good accountant, a good lawyer, and a good financial planner in business. Very important that you do that. And the third thing is you want to study up on your business. There, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's usually things written on what you need to do to make that business successful. Read up on it. Take a course on it. There's always something. Go on the Internet. I guarantee you there is something as to what you need to make that business successful. Oh, I can't tell you how many worm farming episodes there are on YouTube. I had no (laughs) idea. What is important is obviously to write my business plan and also get create an entity, whether it's a DBA, an LLC, S or C Corp and all of that. I would actually start off unless you have a lot of liability. That's the key. I would start off as either a sole proprietor or as an LLC. And the reason is you don't want it complicated. You have a corporation, you got to have minutes and you got to have meetings, you got to have all this other stuff. 
I, at the beginning, you want things simple. And I, I've always believed in KISS. Keep things simple. Okay? <laughs> I leave out the, the last word here. That's right. So you, you want to keep it simple. So you, you want, either you want to be a sole proprietor if you don't have any liability. But if you do have any liability, then, of course, you want, I would say, be an LLC, which is simply like a sole proprietorship. That's all it is. And, but you have limited liability. That's what I would. That's the way I would start. You can always incorporate later and decide what kind of corporation you want to be. Right. It's not a problem. So that's the first thing I would do. Another thing you mentioned that I, I'm sorry I didn't say, but you are absolutely right. You want to have a good business plan. That's important in establishing your business as a business. That's important in establishing what you should be doing, the steps you need to take in order to become successful in that business. You want to have a good business plan. Now, your accountant may help you on this. There are other people that can help you prepare a good business plan, but you really want to have a good business plan as to what you need to do in terms of your marketing, where you want to be, and how you want to operate that business. That's also very important. So you have to have a plan, and you have to structure your entity, whether it be a sole proprietor, DBA, or an LLC and such. And getting back to my worms, I don't have to worry about them causing an accident. I won't have to use my horses to round them up. That is correct. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it, like anything else, can be a home-based business. It just happens to be one that is fun, and I can convert a lot of my ordinary expenses into deductions, and then I can market the byproduct of the worms and the worms themselves. They're not a whole lot of maintenance. And, and you know, you're raising a very good point. You're making lemonade out of lemons. You're looking at a situation and you're saying, okay, what can I do to make extra money out of all this miscellaneous stuff that I, I'm never doing anything with? If anything, it's costing me money. And you have, you have a desire to try and make that kind of money, and you're able to do that. That's the important point in a home-based business. Remember what I said, the very first thing you asked me about self-employed. First thing you want to ask yourself is, what do I have the skills in, and am I driven, and am I at least self-motivated enough to do it? That's the first key that people have to ask themselves. What is it you like? You can make things out of your passion. You can take the things that you personally like and, and make a lot of money with it. I know someone that likes quilting. He, his wife used to quilt all these gorgeous, gorgeous things. I said, why don't you sell this online? This is absolutely gorgeous. And they are. And they're starting to make all kinds of money doing this. Somebody else liked baking. So I said, you know, you should make cupcakes and maybe even make cakes out of it. So she did. And now as I have a whole cupcake business that she's doing. You know, things that your your passion that, that, you, that you can convert into a business. But again, you want to do this that will make money for you. You're not doing this because you, you just like it, but you want to do it because you want to make money. That's the key as far as IRS is concerned. Now, what about this trend that's been going around where you're taking your house and you're renting it out? Airbnb, as it's known. There is a home-based business, literally, where you're renting out your home or say, perhaps a granny flats on an irregular basis, and you've created a business. Is that a good home-based business, and what kind of benefits would come from that in the tax code? There's actually another business that's really booming that you never think of, and that's RV rentals. I have a friend of mine that owns an RV, and he rents it out for, get this, $5,000 a week. <laughs> a week because it's a lot cheaper and a lot safer than staying in a hotel. You can take these RVs, you can take them all over the place. The problem with renting out a home, a room in a home, or renting out an RV is you come under what is known as the vacation home rules. And the vacation home rules say, okay, yeah, you can take all these business deductions like any other business, but if you're a vacation home, all those deductions will be limited to the income from the vacation home. You're not going to be able to carry back losses or carry forward losses. So in that regard, there is a difference. But other than that, yes, it can be a viable business. It can make a lot of money from that, like 5000 a week on this. 
But be advised that once this COVID thing is over, and it will end, it's not something that's going to last forever. I'm not sure that people are going to spend $5,000 to rent uh, a room or are going to rent a uh, RV. I mean, this is, I think, a temporary situation. <laughs> On that Airbnb, you're saying that the deductions or the expenses that can be applied towards that home-based business of an Airbnb can only be equal to or not greater than the income that is generated. So you can basically, that's it sounds like you just zero out the income. That's generally correct. There are some exceptions if you're doing a bed and breakfast kind of thing where you're, you're having people come in less than a week every year. They keep coming like a vacation resort and they come in for one, less than a week or no, I think it's no more than a week. And they, they come in and they, they're always you know renting new places and, and it's like a transient hotel kind of situation. If you come within the hotel situation, then you can take losses and things like that. That's known as a hotel. But assuming that that's not the case, you're just running out a room for uh, six months or a year or something like that, then generally the, the um, deductions are limited to the income. But again, that's why you want to have a good account to see whether you come within the vacation home rules or whether you come within the hotel rules or any other specialized rules that you need. Well, in that example, continuing with the Airbnb, is depreciation of the building or fixtures allowable in that calculation of income to expense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's based on the percentage that you use for your Airbnb, but yes, absolutely it is. Okay. So depreciation is where you can actually see a difference in the taxes and the income as That's a business. Correct. But, 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 but again, I want to emphasize, if you don't come on within the hotel rules, then all deductions will be limited to the income from that Airbnb. So be aware of that. Now you can get, the, you might be able to carry forward the excess, but you will not be able to take anything more than the income. You won't be able to carry it back. You, you can't. It won't be a loss per se. You, you get the depreciation, but it'll be limited to the income from that business. And getting back to my soon-to-be worm farming, they are employees' assets, and you know they're they're members of. As far as I'm concerned, they're part of my board of directors. Who has employees? Are the worms do the employees. Or my employees? my. <laughs> I'm looking at my worms as being my employees, and you know what? They work for food. I, I like that situation. No fringe benefits. You don't have to give them retirement. You don't get. You're never going to get sued. That's wonderful. That's right, and I can always move them on to someplace else, a fish hook or. Anything can be a business, even a hobby. You could take a hobby, as my horse business used to be, and I can convert it to a business by doing what? You can convert it to a business by making sure you, you meet the rules of, of what is a business versus what is a hobby. Essentially, what you need is a business plan. What, is, what, what do viable businesses do? You want to have training in it. You want to go to an expert to see what you need to do to run that business correctly or listen to a couple videos. If you're not making money, you want to contact someone about what you can do, cut back and what you can do to try to turn it around. So trying to turn it around is very important to the IRS. You want to have good documentation. That's very important as to whether you run a business like a business, a profit and loss statement. These are all things, uh, how much time you put in. The more time you put into that business, the more uh, it's probably a business rather than a hobby. It doesn't have to be full time, but the more the better. I mean, all of these factors come into play as to whether you, and, and that's what it is. It's a facts and circumstances test, but they all come into play as to whether you're running your business like a business and not like a hobby. 
Sandy, I would love to continue and talk about the tax code, but the tax code is rather large, voluminous to say the least, and love to have you come back and talk about other aspects of the tax code and how my audience of small business owners can push forward ideas of ordinary expenses into deductions. But in the meantime, anyone out there that's listening that's a small business owner, you can go to bizsoup.com where all business goes and you can click on the interview right there. The podcast with Sandy Bodkin and all the links, his book and everything will be made available right there with the transcripts at bizsoup.com. Sandy, it's a pleasure to have you on this show once again, and I look forward to having you come back and share your, your wisdom, your tips, tools, and techniques again on Business Soup. Sandy Bodkin, the tax bot, thanks for being on this serving of Business Soup. It's been a pleasure to be here. Let's make everybody's life a lot less taxing. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevois, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.